Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. It is an amazing day, amazing day to be here with you and be able to offer this experience to you. When I'm talking about an experience today, I'm talking about the guest that we have. She is a very, very dynamic young lady that I had the opportunity to meet at one of the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summits and just really just have the opportunity to sit down and actually learn so much about her path and how it is that she got to where she is. I mean, even being a native of Texas and having made this transition and just this evolution, I was so excited, you know, to sit down across from her when having lunch. And I was like, will you please, please, please come on the show? So I want you to know, Create Your Life family, that we are in for a dynamic treat today. And so without further ado, I want to read her bio so that we could jump right into this interview. She is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for Nationwide. She has enterprise-wide responsibilities for the strategy and execution of the Office of Diversity and Inclusions initiatives for over 33,000 nationwide associates. Wow. She works closely with senior executives to promote and cascade the DNI strategy throughout the organization. In addition, she oversees all DNI programming, 16 associate resource groups, with approximately 19,000 memberships and 18 business unit councils across the country, along with a host of national and local partnerships and sponsorships. So now we're essentially talking about a superhero. She is an accomplished business and human resources professional with over 25 years in the insurance and financial services industries. She brings a unique blend of inspirational leadership, business savvy, and advocacy to her position. Throughout her career, she has held various leadership positions within marketing, strategy and analytics, human resources, financial sales and service operations and learning and development. She has been recognized by Smart Business Savoy and Black Enterprise Magazine among the top chief diversity officers and leaders. She holds a BS degree in psychology with a minor in business administration from the University of North Alabama. She also holds a senior professional designations along with a change management and white belt certification. She has previously held the Series 6, 26, and Life and Health licenses and is certified as a diversity learning expert. She also serves on the boards of the Central Ohio Diversity Council and Dress for Success. She believes that we can do more together than apart. She has a relentless passion for seeing everyone reach their full potential and feel valued for their contributions. Create Your Life family. Please welcome Miss Mia Hairston. Mia, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Kevin. It's great to join you this afternoon. I'm really excited to engage with you and our listeners. 
Thank you so much for being here, for taking the time. I know you had a full day today and that, I mean, just talking about all of these different responsibilities and things that you've done, I'm just humbled that you would take the time to be on the show. So I'm super excited for what's to come in this uh, next hour. Well, that was a very easy decision because you're an outstanding young man. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to jump right in. You grew up in Texas and what you called a unique experience. Can you please elaborate on your upbringing and kind of like your take? You told me about one specific road trip experience that you had as well. So I would really like to know about, you know, younger Mia and what your experience was like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. You know, I didn't really appreciate this story until like much later in life. But I grew up most of my younger years as a military brat. My dad was an officer in the Army, so we moved around quite a bit. But most of my formative elementary and middle school years, early high school years, was spent in El Paso, Texas at Fort Bliss. Army base, and I was educated, believe it or not, I'm an African-American female, obviously, if you see the pictures, by Latinas. Mm. And I fluent Spanish, and most of my friends, right, were immersed in, and I would say, the Mexican-Hispanic culture. You know, that was sort of my life my, with my sister and my brother there, and again, in the military life. And then we moved from El Paso, Texas, my early high school years, to Huntsville, Alabama. And I think I, I told you this story. You know, I had a, a pivotal moment. I was getting dressed in gym, getting, you know, I was excited about the new school, a little nervous. And I was in the gym, I was getting dressed in the locker room, and I overheard two young ladies. I overheard them like talking about me, but I didn't know that they were talking about me. We're saying things like, What is she? She talks funny, it's dark, but she has an accent. And I was saying to myself, like, who are they talking about? But I had a Hispanic accent. I literally didn't even realize I had it. And I was darker skinned because of the sun. Wow. I remember quickly saying to myself, you know, I've got to define who I am. Fast mm -hmm. forward in my college years of what we were talking about is went on a road trip with some friends. I went to University of North Alabama, which is about an hour west of Huntsville which was the Army base we were on at the time, Redstone Arsenal. And I remember being in the car going to Tuskegee University with a lot of my HBCU peers, and they started talking about, like, who invented the cotton gin, who invented the traffic light, who invented the hot comb. And I was embarrassed, Kevin, because I didn't know the answer to any of those things because mm -hmm. I had not learned black history. And um, my biggest experience was watching Roots for three days in fifth grade. Wow. That set me on a path to really understand my history, understand who I was as a person, and just really explore. So that's, that's kind of like the basis of my formative years. When you talk about that, you know, you said something that I thought was really important. You said, you know what, I had to define myself. Now, in that, what did you find and what did you accept as who Mia was and who she was going to be? You know, it was really interesting because I gravitated in college to mainly African-Americans. So I joined, this is probably more than people want to hear. <laughs> I was the girlfriend of president of the campus at the time. So I was a campus sweetheart. And so we would be involved with the community, but then also be involved with step shows. And I, I almost went, I took a swing where I just, 
hung out with majority African-Americans because I was trying to find out Mm -hmm. who I was as an African-American and an African-American female. What I found through that quest was I was always me, no matter where I was. And so in my skills of being able to connect with people from a relationship perspective, my skills in being able to lead individuals, all of those things really propelled me and it showed me that I could go amongst any group, Kevin, and be comfortable. So I was searching for something all along, right? And you had it. And I had it. It all came back to the core of who I am, and I believe that's why I'm in the role that I am today. I love that. So, you know, you went searching for something that you already had. And to me, what I'm also hearing is, is that you have this appreciation, you know, being raised in a Hispanic culture. Now oh, you I could... Think- appreciation for both. I I had an appreciation of all cultures because on the Army base, there was an African family, right? There was a German family. I grew up having an appreciation for all cultures. Wow. So how did that transition when you first got out of college? Because you studied psychology, correct? I did. And business. And business. Talk to us a little bit. You know, a lot of times you can go to college, you can study one thing and then work in something else right? Which is what I'm doing. I'm a clothing designer by trade, but, you know, working in media and as an entrepreneur, et cetera. How did college prepare you or your degree? How did that prepare you for life after school? And then what was your first aspect of your career? Where did it begin? Yeah. So college prepared me, I think more than anything, not necessarily from a specific discipline, Mm -hmm. like focus of psychology or business, but just the discipline right? The focus, the determination, the never giving up, the, hey, I'm short $2,000 on my tuition and I'm standing in the financial aid office, right? Trying to get more money. You know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. (laughs) That way. And you know, Kevin, my story is a little different too. I say, I think some people would say, you know, maybe they had parents that went to college that pushed them through. I had definitely parents, but my mother had not had her degree at that particular time, Okay, you know, and so it was me navigating and learning how to be independent. But then where my degree came in was in the business world. When you think about psychology and the study of people, right. And, you know, especially cognitive psychology and behavioral, you know, it helped me to understand how people think, how they behave, which was very helpful going into the workplace. Right. Because you understand the different personality types, Also, in the world of business, you have to understand how your customers want to buy your product and how they behave. You know, do they want to pick up the phone? Do they want to walk into an agent's office? And that sort of psychology and business background helped me quickly be able to navigate in my early career at Nationwide. Gotcha. What was the company that you initially started working for right out of college? And how did that journey go to get you to actually become an employee where you are now? Yes. So I actually started at a bank as a teller, even right out of college, because I couldn't find anything. I mean, at the time, there were no jobs. But I went in the Huntington National Bank, and I actually was a teller, and I was in a management trainee program. Mm -hmm. And in that management trainee program, they rotated you around as a personal banker, and they rotated you, you know, within the teller, the teller job. But I also knew that that was limited opportunities for me. But what it allowed me to do is grab a financial mind. It did. It piqued my interest because in the personal banking, you were opening up not only checking and savings, but you were also opening up investments, IRAs, individual retirement accounts, and you were selling, you know, more than just savings Mm -hmm. as well as deposit, you know, checking accounts. 
And so when I came to Nationwide, I actually started handling brokers, so financial planners, so folks that were handling large amounts of wealth. I was actually in the call center taking those calls, and I learned what a basis point was. And and what a basis point is is when you have financial products and there are fees that are associated with those particular financial products. And so within that, they're broken down by basis point. You know, I learned how to trade. That's where I got my Series 6, my 26, and my Life and Health license. But I stumbled upon that because of the Huntington. Got you. Because I was going to ask you, you know, did someone tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, you should be learning these things? Or were these things that you actually just, you know, sought out? You know, how did you come upon, you know what, I need to be in learning these particular things because I have my eyes set on this level of success? You know, I saw the amount of wealth. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, and that is not a motivator for me today, but I saw the amount of wealth that was being managed by the financial planners and how their business was just built on relationships. And it was trust and relationships. And I used to be in awe with the amount of knowledge that they knew, but at the end of the day, I realized that it went beyond knowledge and it went into, it was more of a relationship business. Now, and I knew that that was my strength right, building trust, influencing, as well as leading, as well as the ability to build relationships. And so I knew I needed to understand the business end Mm -hmm. of it. And so I immersed myself and I challenged myself. Like I didn't know what a uh, securities license was Mm -hmm. when I was in college. You know, I didn't know what a Series 26 is a license that you take to manage people who actually handle investment. And so I didn't know what any of that was, but I grabbed a mind for it because it interested me. Gotcha. Love that. So were you always interested in becoming a CDO? Is that something that you've always saw for yourself oh, or did you kind of oh, no, just... no, actually I was staying away from it, quite frankly, hmm. because I thought it was controversial. And I felt like at the time it was the same kind of conversation with no progress. Hmm. And I felt like, you know, that there was this clarion call because we all know clearly the progress that needed to be made with not a lot of solution. And I did not want to be a part of that, right? As I felt like I would be frustrated. I was tapped to take this role, and it was a huge step up for me. I was in a director role at the time, just kind of with my head down, getting work done. You know, and also keep in mind, I'd been at Nationwide for like 20-something years by then, so my brand had already been established. Talk about it. Can you give us just a couple of tips about what some of the things that you did in order to protect your brand and make sure that your brand grew to be able to get this tap? Because I've heard from a vice president at another top company in the country that good work is something that you have to brag about. But great work is something that other people talk about. And when you do great work is when you get tapped on the shoulder. So please tell us some of your secrets to protecting and growing your brand within your organization. Sure. I would say the best thing to protecting your brand is you have to know and understand your brand. Okay. I meet and I mentor, you know, a lot and have been mentored and been in this position. A lot of people who argue with feedback. Okay. They get feedback and they want to argue with the feedback. And they want to say why that perception is, but at the end of the day, nobody cares about why the perception is, because the reality is you're perceived that way. So, you know, if you're perceived as being too harsh, 
as you're perceived as not being action-oriented, if you're perceived as not taking accountability, if you hear it from multiple people, some point you have to look at it and say, this is real feedback that I need to accept and take in. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Well, 360 feet, I took practically, I took 360 feedback. I did those purposefully because I was very strategic in who I asked. I wouldn't just ask folks that were within my immediate work circles, but I would even ask maybe vendor relationships and even other of my peers that are in other departments to provide feedback to me, as well as bosses, you know, previous bosses, just to make sure I had a rounded look at how I'm being perceived. I like that. During your career, what has been your take and your experience with sponsorship and mentorship, you know, who have been some of those people for you? Yeah, this is critical to career success because if a sponsor pulls you through, okay, a sponsor is someone who pounds on the table for you when you're not around. Gotcha. Sponsor talks about you and a mentor talks with you. I like that. Yes. And a sponsor has the power to move your career and open doors. And a mentor really, quite frankly, is someone who's your sounding board. A mentor is who you have your ugly cry with, who you can close the door with, and you know you're having a struggle, and it may even be situational. You're dealing with a difficult boss. You're dealing with a difficult client. Maybe you've received an assignment. You have no clue what you're doing. Maybe you receive some feedback that's career limiting. Your mentor is the person that you can show all of that to. Your sponsor is the, the, the one that you want to put your best foot forward. Um, I've had many sponsors in my career. I believe I would not be where I am without sponsors, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Folks that gave me positions. I had a sponsor pretty early on in my career that would give me visible opportunities. We have a huge retirement plan business where there's multi-billion dollar pension plans. And the CEO of that particular business line would often put me in front of those clients, like Maricopa County, Broward County. I mean, huge clients where we would have major pensions. And I would be responsible for explaining our marketing support, our websites, our customer service, our training materials at a very young age. And then I was in the field at the time selling retirement plans, and he literally took me out of the field and placed me two levels above my role. And I was not ready for that role. So Mm -hmm. he promoted me to my potential and then put people around me to support me along the way. What were some of your, other than him essentially creating a village around you, to support you in growing into this role, what were some of the things that Mia had to do in order to grow into these roles? That even in this particular place, I know you also had to grow into your role as a CDO. What are some of the things that you do time after time in order to make sure that you can grow and rise to the occasion and be able to set and hold the standard? Okay, this is uh, two key things. One, check my complete ego at the door. Mm. Whatever I knew, I know no more. I go into complete learning mode and remain teachable and humble because I knew anytime I go into a new role, the temptation that can occur is you want to appear confident and like you have it. And so you act like you have it together when you don't, and it causes you to crumble because you have no foundation. So I would ask for help. 
I would go and seek, and I was purposeful about reaching out to CDOs who had been in the role 20 and 30 years. I was purposeful with sitting down and having intentional conversations with my leaders around what have you seen in this space? Where do you see this area or this field going? You know, I was not afraid to sort of ask obvious questions that may have appeared like they were a little bit humiliating or, you know, like you just didn't know what you were doing. I put myself in complete learning mode and check, check my ego at the door and become a ferocious learner. You know, always trying to learn from others, like conferences like Black Enterprise are amazing. National Urban League was just in Columbus. That was a fantastic conference, although it's not specific to DNI, it is because it's a lot of community concerns and societal concerns. Black enterprise, small businesses, I try to round out, Hmm. you know, perspective. So that's what I've done. I recently saw some figures online with a couple of studies. It's talking about the the pay gap between African-American women and what's at the top of the markets, top of the pay grades. What advice would you give to young ladies looking to climb the corporate ladder and make it to the C-suite like yourself one day? This is a great question. Kevin, I think that you have to do some soul searching as why you want to aspire to the C-suite. Because if it's just about dollars and titles and a corner office with marble floors, you're destined to fail because it won't be enough to keep you. You have to examine and say to yourself, you know, along the way, is it that I want to make impact? Do I want to make a difference? You know, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish in that C-suite role? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish there? I like that. Mia, can you tell us just a bit more? I know earlier you talked about the fact that people saw you doing and taking action, making some things change. But what were some of the other things that you did in order to make sure that you got noticed for promotions on a consistent basis? You know, just small things, if it was from the way that you dressed, the way that, you know, showing up to meetings early. I don't know. Like, what are some of your other tactics to make sure that you get noticed for promotions and opportunities? There are many things. I think definitely dress for the next level of job. I always did that. In call center, my aunt bought me my first suit when I was in the call center, the customer service center. Now, everybody was showing up in jeans and Mm -hmm. T-shirts, and there was nothing wrong with that. That was actually, that was acceptable, right? It was dressed down casual. I would come in. I didn't have a lot of money, but I would make sure that I had on, you know, a skirt and a top and heels and made sure that I was presentable because, that's the first thing people see is your external, and they judge you on that. And I remember a supervisor coming to me, and I was just working, literally taking 126 calls a day, Kevin, seriously. Wow. And she came to me, and she said, Mia, you're going to go far one day. And now let me tell you, I'm going to be transparent. I was making $16,800. Wow. And I thought to myself, what is she talking about? I'm just doing what I know to do. My family likes to dress, so I was just putting on whatever my aunt and my mother gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. here is what I will tell you. I have a formula that I use that has actually phrased my career, and mm-hmm. it's called Be Neat. Okay. It's called Be Neat. And N stands for finding your North Star. Okay. Find the corporate ladder. You will be challenged. At times, you will feel like you're an imposter. People will question your work and not like the way you talk or the way you look. But the thing that will always guide you is your North Star. And your North Star for me has been my faith. And it has been my family. So 
finding whatever that faith or whatever that family is to you and anchoring yourself 100% in that because when the storms hit your career, when there's reorganizations or you might have to get laid off or you work for a different boss, that's what's always going to keep you persevering. And the E stands for excellent. Be excellent in all that you do. When people ask you to do something, you go above and beyond what is being asked of you and you do it early and you do it with excellence and you ask for help when you need it. Being excellent requires you showing up when nobody else is looking. Hmm. It's about what you do when no one is around and putting your head down. Even now, we execute on large conferences like the National Urban League. You know, we sponsor like a lunch. You know, I am there the day before checking. I am there two hours before. I am doing checks, checks, rechecks. I leave Mm -hmm. nothing to chance. Because when everything is executed, right, it goes off. We want it to go off in the best possible way. So being excellent. And then A is really just being, and I talked about this earlier, finding who you are and being your authentic self, not trying to be someone else. You are the best version of you. People are going to respect you more, and you're going to be more of an influence if you are just completely who you are. And then the last, the T stands for teachable. Always remain teachable. Always remain humble. We can always learn. Kevin, I learned from you. You're amazing. You have touched my life in this short period of time. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. You're incredible. Your story is awesome. I have your book. It's just, you know, remaining teachable. So being need has been sort of the acronym that I live by. I love it. All right. Well, Create Your Life family. You heard it here from Mia Harrison. If you want to move up in life, I'm going to say that's in life, not even in corporate. Be neat. And you just heard what that means. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to cut to a quick musical break and then we're going to come back and we've got some more questions for me, some good ones, too. And we have even a secret surprise guest who's going to share a couple words with us also. So call in if you have questions for 212-650-6903. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, a podcast editing service that gives podcasters more time to be creative by handling the dirty work of editing and all of the behind the scenes work that podcasters hate. If you're a podcaster, check out our services and purchase a package today. Spend more time doing what you love and let Podcast Laundry do the dirty work for you. Visit PodcastLaundry.com for more information. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back with Mia Hairston, Chief Diversity Officer of Nationwide. Mia, are you here with us? I am. Okay, awesome. Mia, when we jumped off of the break, you told us to be neat in our lives if we want to evolve and continue to get better. That being said, my biggest question for you is, is, you know, after reading your bio, having the opportunity to sit down and chat with you, I feel like you're like a superhero. Aww. So my question is, how do you manage it all? You're the first lady of a church, your wife, your amazing mother, you're a C-suite executive at the top of your company. You find time to do things in the community. What is the secret to the balance? I think one, loving what you do in every aspect of your life. I think, Kevin, I've found in a sense, my calling, and I've had the ability to merge kind of like my personal life with my work life. Integration. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely integrated. Balance is, you know, people think it's a neat compartment of, like you can compartmentalize your family and you can compartmentalize your work. It's in the moment. I mean, there are times where I know I might have a heavy travel schedule. You know, I'm picking up and I'm taking my daughter with me or my husband's going with me. You know, and they're they're a part of what I am doing. Okay. We continue to, you know, 
maintain our bonds as well as, you know, support the work that I'm doing. I love that. So you have you have a village around you. Everybody is included. This integration is what's keeping everything together and keeping your balance. Yeah, and I I couldn't do it without my village. I mean, I know a lot of people say that. I mean, I give really a shout out to my husband. He's incredible. He is a I always say that he's like my executive coach without getting paid incredible leader and mm-hmm. we have a great partnership and then we have a great village that supports us and our daughter as well and a great church family yes so speaking of you know you got somebody who's actually had the opportunity to watch you climb the corporate ladder and you know she's very near and dear to you but she's had the opportunity to witness the greatness that is you your daughter kennedy and i know she's there with you right now so kennedy can you please share with us just a few of the amazing things that you have learned from your mom and you know some of the things that you'll be taking with you as you become a freshman at the ohio state university I had to make sure i said it like that because your mom like sent that text like look man it's not <laughs> ohio state university it's the ohio state so can you tell us what you know some of the things that you've got to witness from your mom yes hi I believe it's faith and family is the most important thing in my life. She taught me how to be independent, how to put my trust in God and to focus. Okay. Okay. Focus, faith in God. All right. And independent. That's important. So, Kenneth, do you feel like you're ready for school coming up in a couple of weeks? And what are, what are you studying? What are you excited about for school? Sir, I guess me getting the degree that I need in my life and to finally actually graduate from that school. From high school? So what, what I'm going to study is something in the medical field. I'm still exploring. Okay. I want to do something in the medical. Okay. Are you leaning towards anything in particular? Are you thinking like a doctor? Are you thinking about being a nurse? Gonna... I want to be an OBGYN. Okay. Well, all right then. Okay. So Dr. Kennedy or Dr. Harrison, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations. Wishing you very, very much success on your journey. And, you know, we're here to support you. So you have to stay in contact because we want to chronicle your journey and your success. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. So, Mia, jumping back in, you've had the opportunity. You, You have this village. You have the family. You have people around you who love you and who support you. What do you feel like was that defining moment? that helped you to get on the path that you are at here today? You know, I think the defining moment was like what your company is about, you know, creating your own life. I think there was a point in time in my life where I was just coasting in a sense, Mm -hmm. like doing all the right things because I was told, right, okay, go check a box, you know, graduate high school, graduate college, you know, get married and buy a house, you know, make sure you chase the American dream and get all of that 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 has to offer you in the land of opportunity. But I wasn't pausing to really see, you know, what it is that I wanted to do in my life. I think the defining moment was when my daughter was born. And I wanted her, you know, I wanted her to see a strong woman. I wanted her to see a woman that um, was not afraid to go after and to live her best life. You know, I did. I, I didn't want her to feel as though she had limits. Right. 
And the only limit she would have would be the limit she put on herself. You know, that defining moment. I remember very clearly when she was, you know, two or three years old, and she's running around with her little tutu on, but she has my heels, <laughs> and she has my purse, and she has my cell phone, right? And she's trying to talk on it. She's doing everything that, that she sees me doing. And I realized, do I want to raise, you know, I wanted to raise a young woman that was going to impact the world. I love that. What would you say has been the biggest challenge that you had to overcome in order to be who you are today? Oh, wow. You know, I think growing, not knowing that I was going to go into kind of financial and insurance time and really going, you know, thinking that I I was actually going to go down a different path. I think learning the world of finance and insurance, at times, you know, I was intimidated along the way. This was early on in my career, and I felt like there were people that were smarter, that were faster, that were given more opportunities, and that I had to work like five times harder ever worked. Those were things that I had to, you know, eventually overcome and know that I, you know, was just as smart, just as bright, just as fast, and that opportunities would open for me just like anyone else. Love that. Who has been your biggest champion on your path to becoming who you are today? And how have you thanked them? I have a lot of champions. I have, you know, I already talked about my husband. He's an incredible champion. My mom has been absolutely fabulous. I would also say my aunt and uncle have been terrific. They actually, from a very young age, they've been like second parents to me. They were the ones who helped me start my career out, and they've also shadowed a strong work ethic. I laugh because when I moved here to Columbus, Ohio, and I was just starting out, my uncle used to drive me to work, and he would just, I called it Sanford and daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Because he would just have these conversations with me, you know, about life and putting $25 in my 401k, and I was 23 years old, and every dime counted. You know, at time and, and those things have paid out over time. They have paid paid off over time. So very grateful to that village and how I thank them. You know, I think that I thank them by them. They feel very proud of me, but then also, you know, allowing them to partake, not allowing, but making sure that they're a part of the success that God has, you know, really blessed my life. And I feel very fortunate and blessed to be in this position Um, And then when I get an opportunity, I bless them, you know, in different ways, like with their favorite things. I think that's really important, Kevin. I think it's really important for you not to forget the people who made you. Yeah. You know, and just to pause and say thank you and not keep moving through and thinking that the world owes you something because it doesn't. Love that. Really quickly, who are some of your sheroes? You know, there are a lot of sheroes in my life. I would say my leader, Gail King. Oh, yeah. I had the opportunity to meet Gail. Amazing woman. So incredible. And if you know her story, you know, growing up in Florida and coming from nothing and she's ascended to the levels that she's in, which are absolutely incredible. And she makes impact and she opens doors and she's selfless. And she is just absolutely incredible. She has a faith that is rock solid. And so she's definitely one of my sheroes. But I also would say I have sheroes in my church. Okay. Sister Ann Copas, who is works at the registration desk at one of the local health hospitals, but will give you the shirt off of her back and volunteers in the homeless shelter tirelessly. 
and gives of her time and talent and doesn't have a lot, but gives a whole lot back to so many. So those are definitely some folks that stand out as sheroes to me. Okay. That being said, my next question to you is, can you swim? Yes, I can swim. I'm a very strong swimmer. Okay. Awesome. Because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank. Okay. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Are you ready? This is rapid fire. Are you ready? Go, go, go. All right. All right. Kennedy, you, you there? You got her back? Kennedy, she's got your back. You, you got my back, Kennedy? All right, let's go. What is the top tech that you are using right now to make your business run smoothly? So my business runs smoothly. So I don't have a business, but to make my area run smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah, I have incredible leaders around me. I surround myself with very smart people, people that are smarter than me, mm-hmm. that can get it done and get it done faster. Okay. And would you boil that down to any type of technology that's helping you to manage that team or make things happen quickly? I would say that we use a lot of technology. You know, we use Box where we're able to share files with one another. We use project software and Microsoft Office. Okay, sweet. So we leverage a lot of technology. Okay, love it. Favorite quote or model that you live by? Favorite quote or model that I live by? Too much is given, much is required. Love it. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read? John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Love it. Okay. What are your goal-setting methods, and how do you make sure that you're moving forward each year? Goal-setting methods starts with a lot of prayer. Okay. And asking, you know, I'm a woman of faith, so I ask God's direction. I ask him not to send my feet where it doesn't need to be and to place me in the path that I need to be and where do I need to focus for the year. I also do a lot of evaluation on what didn't go so well the previous year and what things were strong, and then try to be emerge from that what my goals are. Okay. Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. One, know that you're worth it. That if you have breath in your body and you have been given life, that you have a purpose and you have a destiny. And that that's the first jewel. I would say the second jewel is that someone somewhere needs your talent and needs your skills and needs you to contribute big and not small. And then the third jewel that I would say, give a life, live a life of service, live a life of giving back, live a life of constantly looking at how you can give and serve others. Love it. Okay, so Mia, what's next for you? Next in terms of what, career? Career, life, what's coming up? You know, I got some exciting things going on. My daughter's transitioning. We are moving into empty nesters. We're moving our life, we're moving from the suburbs down into the downtown area to be more a part of a community. Also, what's next for me career-wise is just continuing to advance the work of DNI at Nationwide as we move our business forward and ensure that we are creating value and innovative solutions for our customers. Okay. And how can we keep in contact with you for those listeners who want to reach out, maybe ask you some advice? What is the best way to stay in contact with you? Sure. So I can also provide an email, but I also they can follow me on Twitter at H-A-I-R-S-T-M, at H-A-I-R-S-T-M, and they can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So now we're in the final stages of the interview, and it is time for the turnaround. So Create Your Life Family, I know y'all know what that means, but Mia, what it means is that you get to ask me questions. You are completely in control of the interview, and now the roles have switched. So please take us away. All right. Be gentle. <laughs> Kevin, you know what? We've been able to get to know each other, mm-hmm. you know, over the last couple of years, I say. Okay. And what is really 
intrigued me about you is, you know, you're very open about your story. Okay. You're very open about your story. And I have a question for you. You know, mm-hmm. what keeps you persevering? What keeps you motivated? You know, to be 100% honest, I would have to say my story does keep me motivated. And essentially, it's that. And it's the fact that I'm big on making my goals public. And so if I do that, then I feel like I have to rise to that. And I think that sometimes you also have the opportunity. There's opportunity in low expectations. Mm. And so with that, I believe I have this really crazy idea that I could literally do whatever it is that comes to my mind. And so if tomorrow I say, you know what, I think I really want to be an astronaut. (laughs) I think that I could do it. You know, it'll be a lot of hard work. But whatever I like dream up and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to do this, then I believe that I could do it. And, you know, you build your confidence by consistently doing what you say that you're going to do. But I've had the opportunity to do that and have been blessed to do that on so many occasions. And I'm willing to make the sacrifice that, you know, it motivates me to come up with a new idea or a new goal and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to do this now. You know, as long as it's in alignment with my greater, you know, goals are and things like that, then it's fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that brings me to my next question. Where does your confidence come from? Where do you get all of this confidence? Wow, that is a good question. And I will say that a lot of my confidence, it comes from my, it stems from my upbringing as well. You know, definitely proving people wrong and then affirming the things that I said that I was going to do. I think that it's just been a long track record of that. And sometimes just being bold, you know, sometimes I might not be as confident, but I go ahead and stick through the pain of, you know, the learning curve in order to gain that confidence. I can't say that I walk into everything, you know, with confidence on, you know, 120,000 or, you know, infinity. But by the time I finish it and I learn the lessons that I need to and I do the work, as a matter of fact, a lot of my confidence comes from doing the work because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Mia, this interview with you is a big deal to me. It's like, you know, not every day do you get someone, you know, chief diversity officer of a major corporation in America, you know, in the world to, you know, get on the phone with you. But I'll have to say that, you know, it's been 132. So by the time we get here, because I've done the work over these last two and a half years, then I can sit on the phone confidently and actually have a dialogue with you. So doing the work is definitely a big part of the confidence level, I would say. You are very confident. Young. <laughs> Thank you. So my last question is, who has been your biggest influence growing up? Wow. That is a very, it's a loaded question, or I have a loaded answer. So there's been a lot of different influences, both positive and negative. You know, I think that there's a lot that can be learned with growing up in certain environments. I think that, you know, Mr. Fillmore Graham, who was the the founder of the Continentals of Omega Boys and Girls Club, which is a a place that I spent essentially like my whole childhood there. Yeah. He was amazing in my life, especially in my teenage years, you know, taking walks with him downtown at the waterfront, having breakfast with him on Saturdays. But I would also have to say Mr. Pelton Stewart, who ran the Young Men's Torch Club group at the Boys and Girls Club. Very instrumental. My foster mother, Mary Elizabeth Jackson, who passed away, she was very instrumental. She came and got my sister and I from the shelter in San Francisco, brought us to Vallejo. So that's how I, you know, even represent Vallejo. My older sister was very influential for me. Having the opportunity to grow up under her early on, she's the one who kind of was making all of the good grades and was behaving properly. So 
you know, she was setting an example for me, Evelyn Polk. She actually, when I was coming to New York in my early 20s, she literally paid my rent for a couple of months for me to have a start here. I met her in high school, Miss Carrie Wilson. She's the reason why I went to college. You know, she helped me fill out the college applications and scholarships and things like that. Mr. Tony Gross, who was my principal. I mean, the list goes on and on of the people who I have the opportunity to be thankful to. Actually, and one of my uncles, George Lee, he just commented on the Facebook Live. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just people, you know, have been very influential in this experience that I have the opportunity to call life. And so, you know, I feel like I meet people on a continuous basis and have the opportunity to really just, you know, be thankful and and happy that people take the time to invest and even converse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to shout out everybody who's on Facebook Live right now, because, Mia, you've got some listeners. So that's Ronald Johnson, Melanie Ellis, uh, Jocelyn, uh, Terea, Danielle, Chris Hyatt, Nadine, Jabari Johnson. These people are tuned in. (laughs) Shout out to all of y'all. Yeah. Shout out. Oh, yeah. Mia, do you have any more questions or? Nope. I think that's it. You're a terrific young man. It's always interesting to hear your story for sure. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you to Kennedy for taking the time out of her day, you know, to be on radio and and give us a shout, share some knowledge with us as well. Thank you. Definitely. So, Mia, is there anybody that you want to shout out before we uh, run out of here? You know, I'd like to shout out my husband, Kevin Harrison, and I'd like to shout out my aunt, Virulence and my mother, June Isaac, and <laughs> and my church, and Nationwide, who is always on your side. Okay. Awesome. Well, Mia, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I uh, look forward to connecting with you uh, in the future, and have an amazing day. Okay, you do the same. Take All right. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. On skip your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.